into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, December 7, 2023. Welcome to episode number 510 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Toasty Pop, CJ, Divine Dream Divine from the Philippines, Kenyan Izo, my man, CJ, Sharice Slam, Ellery Doro, Marcus Kyle with the Yeet Patrol. Yeet. Dubs CLU with the blue badging. Thanks, Dubs. Always loving that. Over there on LinkedIn, we got Mana Samuka. We got Unknown. We got Jenny Roberstead on LinkedIn. So, guys, LinkedIn, YouTube, long time, first time. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, including Justabyte, who just shared that they just passed their Sec Plus just in time for today's show. Solid win, Justabyte. Thanks for sharing with the community. Listen, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day over the next 45 minutes, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do to operationalize this, drive cyber risk reduction for your stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you are going to get value from the stream because you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on industry? This right here is a phenomenal answer. Also, you're going to get exposed to concepts, terminology. You're going to get more comfortable with those words, with those processes, with that kind of overall industry vibes. Plus, may I just point out Alpha Sierra, Alfredo Hinoso, Chris K. Hall, Soulshine. The, dude, the, the networking, the community, it is chef's kiss good. So say what's up in chat, connect with people, share resources, consume resources. We are a community, people, and that is part of just what makes Simply Cyber so amazing. So get up in here. You're more than welcome. Widen the circle for our newcomers. I want everybody to know that I do not prepare or research or frankly know the stories that are about to come out. Uh, so you're getting my rough, rugged and raw, straight from the hip take on all of these stories. I had someone in chat the other day, someone in the comments on Team Replay asked me, why am I yelling so much? Guys, here's the story. I'm super passionate about cybersecurity, so I only have one speed wide open. Before we get into the streams, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who enable me to pursue this amazing uh, just podcast and community and everything that I get to do. So thank you, stream sponsors, starting with Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your CyberSec program and your business goals. 
But upside security, think of them as like expert consultants that don't cost McKinsey prices. They can come in, understand your business, your threat landscape. They bring years and years of experience and they can sit down and either give you a plan going forward that is tailored for your business or do something like a tabletop exercise and get you straightened out real quick. Okay. Panopsize security, mad value, fractional pricing for the FTEs. So instead of hiring an FTE to basically come in and get you sorted out, you can hire them for like six weeks. They come in give you all the things you need and then they leave and then you can actually execute on the plan they gave you, which is going to be huge value. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. If you went to the Snake Oil Summit yesterday in chat, hashtag Snake Oil, let us know if you went and if it was good. What was your favorite talk? Uh, I saw a lot of you over there. I saw Kimberly up in there, Cyber Munchkin up in there. A whole bunch of folks really enjoying the... Uh, Anti-Siphon Training uh, Snake Oil Summit, which was a free conference, by the way. Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position, offering students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and engage with the community in a fun, inclusive way. I can't emphasize enough how proud I am and how honored I am to be affiliated with Black Hills Information Security and Anti-Siphon Training. They are doing it right, people. Wow. All right, guys. Love it, love it, love it. What's up, Gary Sturgiatis? He was over there at the Snake Oil Summit. Just a Bite was at Snake Oil. Get get going. It's awesome. Guys, every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat... Every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, including this particular one, episode 510, is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag Snake Oil if you were here at the Snake Oil Summit. Hashtag Team Live if you're here right now. 258 of you beautiful people. Hashtag Team Replay if you're watching on replay. Get those comments. That is how you can, like, basically you can get the CPEs by being here. But sometimes you get, um, you know, uh, audited. Like, oh, did you really go to those webinars? Like, uh, let's go with Cyber Newbie. Cyber Newbie. Submit CPEs or even better, just a bite. You got your sec. Actually, that doesn't work because CompTIA, I think CompTIA officially doesn't accept this type as a CPE, but I digress. Say what's up in chat, grab a screenshot, put it in a folder. And when it comes time to submit CPEs, you can just count the number of files you have, screenshots, multiply it by 0.5, and that's your CPEs. This is an instructor led cybersecurity webinar. If we need to get to the point where we're uh, capturing um, attendance, like, like zoom registration, webinar registration. I'll do that. Uh, but we've been doing this for 510 days and it's, it seemed to work out pretty well before we finally get into the news, uh, really quickly, Jordan Lee passed their first CompTIA test yesterday. Jordan Lee with the win. Way to go, Jordan straight crushing it on to the next one, my friend. All right, guys. Hey, really quickly. I do love uh, doing this. If you are here live with us right now or on Team Replay, and it is your first episode, you just found us either through Advent of Cyber, Day 5, through stumbling about, maybe a friend told you, a good friend by the way, if it's your first episode, hashtag first timer in chat, just like this, drop a hashtag first timer in chat, looks just like that. And let us know it's your first episode because you 
first timer don't need to feel kind of shy. You don't need to look around and figure out what the vibe is of the room. We love welcoming first timers. So get in here. We'll make the circle wider. We have a special sound effect for you. We have a special emote for you, our first timers. So giddy up. And there's our first one, MB. Hey, what's up, MB? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Yes, yes. Welcome to the party, pal, MB. It's great to have you here. All right, guys, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. Hey, Justin Omokai. All right, let's go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, December 7th, 2023. I'm Rich Straffolino. Krebs on ICANN lookups. Back in May 2018, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, you know it as ICANN, issued new requirements to registrars to redact customer information from who is lookups. This came in response to GDPR restrictions. Essentially, ICANN would keep collecting this information until it developed a system to retrieve it that was in compliance with GDPR. As a result, lookups generally required formal legal requests or abuse reports. Security journalist Brian Krebs notes ICANN launched its registration data request service, making it available to all registrars to handle lookup requests. Requests would not be mediated actually by ICANN, remaining a direct communication between the registrar and requester. All right, a couple things really quickly. Ralph Cameron with the first time. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. There we go. Let's get our emotes for Ralph. Ralph, also, Ralph, I love your pug uh, profile photo. Very nice. Also, shout out to Whole Cyber Human Initiative dropping five squad memberships. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you uh, very much. And shout out if you're AF, Kirk, uh, or AF, AJ, Ion, Gnarly H, Jared Pierpoint, or Pamela Vasquez, you are the recipient of those squad memberships. So please dig into the uh, emote dashboard. If you're on YouTube uh, under the chat, there's like the little emote face. You have access to all these wonderful emotes now so uh giddy up on that let's do the old oprah emote i love the oprah emote okay so here's the deal krebs on security first off if you've never heard of krebs on security absolutely need to hear about it uh brian krebs does great cybersecurity investigative journalism i just dropped a link in chat um strongly encourage you either bookmark that or uh check it out from time to time he is, uh, you want to talk about someone who serves the community. This guy regularly does investigative journalism pieces, which pisses off a lot of threat actors, which means they've doxed him. They've swatted him, which means they've sent SWAT teams to his house, um, you know, calling in um, like threats. And then, you know, the SWAT team shows up. Um, they've messed with him. Like he gets a lot of grief because of the work he does. And we all benefit from the work he does. So thank you, Krebs on security. Plus his journalism chops are really, really good. So his content is good. Okay, I can launch a service to help. It says help with who is lookups. But what I got from the story, again, I don't research these, is that to comply with GDPR, which is a European Union uh, privacy regulation that's got wicked teeth. Go look, go Google Hey, Nicole Ellis Perez, thank you for the uh, compliment on my haircut. I do try to look dapper up in here. Uh, and shout out to Rodwell Wiltshire with the uh, first timer. If you guys haven't registered a domain name like simplycyber.io or simplycybercon.org, you may not know this, but when you register, 
there is I can't bring it up on stream because of the way I do this, but I could I could show you when uh, using a terminal shell, when you register a domain name, you have to put in who you are, contact information, because a million years ago when we were, you know, spring children and naive um, to threat actors and threat actor behaviors, you would register a domain name and then put in all your information. And that way, if there was a problem or a vulnerability, or you wanted to buy the domain, whatever it was, you could quickly find the contact information for that individual. Now, of course, threat actors um, abuse that and weaponize that and all that other stuff. So in modern times, when you go to register a website, you can actually pay an additional $10, typically like 10 bucks or whatever, 10, 15 bucks, um, and have like your registration contact information uh, made private. And essentially what the, they'll do is they'll put contact information for the registrar and then they'll have your information on file. And that way, if a threat actor wants to get with you, they'll contact the registrar and then they have to demonstrate some level of um, authority or whatever in order for them to disclose who owns the actual domain name. And this is just a way to like protect yourself. It, it, to me, honestly, it's less about privacy and it's more about like convenience and not dealing with jack wagons who are trying to socially engineer you and stuff. So for me, when I heard that, they said that they're going to be redacting it by default to comply with GDPR. To me, that means I'm not going to pay $10 to have my information uh, proxied with a registrar privacy thing because they're not going to display it anymore. Now, as I'm talking about it out loud, I wonder if that's only for European unions because let's be real, Great cash, homie. money makes the world go round. And if they're, set, if they're making $10 per domain name and they're selling, I don't know, let's just say uh, to be conservative, 30,000 domain names a year, you know, that's, that's $300,000, right? I think, and, and I'm being very conservative, right? So that's a lot of cashish. Uh, so I don't think that uh, I don't think the domain registrars are are interested in like giving up that money. So it, this could be only for um, uh, European Union. For us as cybersecurity professionals, it's interesting to know this. This is a this is a bit of a shift from the way it's been done for the last you know whatever twenty five years. But this isn't really going to impact us too much. And and I'm almost wondering. I'm just want to see if I can. Uh, I almost want to see if I can do this uh, really quickly on stream. Normally, I would do this through a um, a web browser. I mean, a terminal shell. But okay, look, 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 look. I just put in simplycyber.io. This is you know my website, right? Shout out to me. <laughs> but if you look at it, you can see here the registrar abuse contact information is like some European uh, number. Uh, the registrar's key systems, who I didn't even know that, like I didn't register through them. Uh, fax number, phone number, re redacted for privacy. So, so this is like I paid 10 bucks a year to have that all say redacted so I don't have to get popped. What they're saying now is that's going to be like a default um, feature or whatever. So whatever. I'll probably just continue to pay the $10 because you know what I like? Peace of mind and not dealing with getting my spot blown up. Wyden warns of spying push notifications. U.S. Senator Ron Wyden sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking it to repeal or modify any policies that would inhibit public discussions around push notification spying after his office received an anonymous tip on the practice. 
The idea being that Google and Apple's servers receive data to send push notifications, which could give a third-party insight into how a user is utilizing apps. The letter doesn't get into too much detail, but does state that foreign governments allied to the U.S. demanded such data from Google and Apple. In a statement, Apple said that now that this method has become public, we are updating our transparency reporting to detail these kinds of requests. All right. So way to go, Ron Wyden. Um, I, I, I hate to sound cynical, but it's nice to see um, federal politicians, you know, like looking into things that actually affect the citizens instead of a lot of the shenanigans that are going on at the federal level in the United States right now. I feel like Ron Wyden, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, you know, people in chat might know more. And uh, shout out to uh, Nick Barker, our very own Oregon uh, reporter on the scene. Uh, I feel like Ron Wyden has been a large privacy advocate um, for a while. Uh, so this would lean into that. Um, so what they're saying, again, I don't research these stories, but it looks like you get um, push notifications, right? So like you can opt into these things um, where like you get, hey, hey, Mrs. Osher, how you doing? Uh, you get the like little pop up and it's like, you know, whatever, like somebody sent you something or your your garage door opened or whatever. Well, apparently there's some way to quote unquote spy on you. Now, listen, the word spy is very subjective here, right? Is it just telling, is it just pinging your phone and being able to say where your phone is? Is it just saying that your phone is online? Is it saying that like who's using the phone? Is it like that? That's an incredibly subjective thing. Now, the fact that it can be used in some capacity and a federal uh, legislator is getting involved is interesting. For me personally, as an Apple user, as somebody who's painfully aware that you know everybody's got at least, and I, I feel like I should say 99% of people because there are lots that don't, but like most people have a mobile device of some sort, right? Some people, many of us maybe even have more than one work and personal. So if, if this level of privacy is being um, compromised, it is interesting and worth noting. I personally will be looking into this deeper um, just for my own situational awareness, but uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Here, here's my first thought on this. They don't say it's being actively exploited. They say, oh, they say governments do. Oh, hold on. They do say governments do spy. Let me see you this. All right. So apparently, apparently um, you can do surveillance. The government is making the requests from the tech giants who are complying with it for, for legal reasons. But when the U.S. government has requested um, what information for oversight and um, transparency, they say that they can't release what those requests are, which makes it shadowy. Um, and you know, I'm sure Apple and Google has a fleet of lawyers to get in the way of that. So we'll see, you know, you can't stop a U.S. Senator from requesting data. They can make it available in closed session. They certainly are going to have, um, compartmentalized access to those informations. So yeah, anyways, this is interesting. Sorry, I don't have more information on it, but this is something that I will be interested in reviewing myself. If you're a privacy wonk, this is totally in your wheelhouse and you should totally be into this. So let's go. All right. Google unveils Gemini. The search giant unveiled its next generation AI model called Gemini. 
This will come in three varieties, Ultra, Pro, and Nano. Ultra and Pro will compete against OpenAI's ChatGPT 4 and 3.5, respectively. Google designed Nano to run locally on mobile devices. The company updated its Bard chatbot to run on Gemini Pro, with an ultra-powered paid version coming early next year. Google claims the Ultra model is the first to outperform humans in the industry benchmark massive multitask language understanding. Gemini Ultra will also be a multimodal model able to accept and generate text, images, audio, and video. All right. So a couple things here. One, there like basically we are in the um I don't know if if people will look back at this time period and call it like the arms race. Do you remember like for, for those who have gray in their hair, um, Coke and Pepsi had the Cola Wars in the 90s, right? And they were spending boatloads of money. Coke had like the major, major foothold in the market. And Pepsi was like, not as big, but trying like heck to upset it, right? Also like Windows, Apple a little bit. Um, but to me, like we've entered a new race where, where basically it's like Google versus Microsoft. And it's like the AI wars between who can go faster, who can make it better. Like they're calling this ultra like, OK, like so Microsoft's going to come out with like the ultimate chat GPT next. And then Google's going to come out with like, you know, next gen like interstellar bard or something. You know what I mean? Like it's silly. But basically from what I'm gathering, this is straight up the AI wars. Um, and, and you know what's at stake, guys, besides our own um, <laughs> safety? Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie, because whoever comes out on top with the best, fastest, most accurate, useful, um, usable, functional AI is going to make just a ridiculous amount of money. Okay? So that's what's going on here. Now... Uh, Google comes out with uh, Gemini, which, by the way, just between me, <clears throat> me and you, um, I love the name Gemini for an AI uh, versus Bard. I think Bard is like terrible. I, I don't know if they like market tested that or something. And if they did, I'd be curious what the uh, options were that didn't get selected. But I think Bard's terrible as a name. Gemini's cool. Um, hopefully, they don't call it like Hal or um, you know. Deus Ex Machina, but um, the one thing I'll say about this, I, I saw this come out. I'm excited about this. Let me tell you two use cases uh, or one use case that I plan on using with this one. And by the way, this is, I don't know if this is free or not, but I know ChatGPT is like 10 bucks a month or something like that. I pay it. It's, it's useful. Uh, two things. One, I am working on a cybersecurity 101 course for those who don't know. And I know many of you um, don't need that course, but I'm it's 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 for a lot of people and I'm almost done with it. OK, and if you're familiar with my courses, I have the video content. I have subtitles burned in. I have transcriptions provided because I want my content, my content to be accessible to as many people as possible, regardless of. Um, you know, if you're blind, if you're deaf, if you have, you know, dyslexia, disability, whatever. I don't, I don't know, but I want it to be as accessible to everybody. Now, check this out. This right here, I, I don't speak Spanish. 
What I will do is I will copy paste my transcription into one of these and say, say this in Spanish. And then I will copy paste it directly into my course and have a Spanish translation. And if there's enough of a ask for French or Hindi or Thai or Filipino, right? Whatever, whatever. Um, then I'll do that. But you know what's awesome? It'll be like instantaneous, right? So to me, that's a super, super useful uh, way to do it. Hold on. Who is this? Is this? Wait a minute. Samantha S. dropping the love. Samantha S. with the squad membership. Samantha, did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Samantha. And to those who just got new squad membership, Seabright, Rodu, Bryce, way to go. Congratulations, Alpha Bravo. Uh, and, and Bryce Jackson, love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so very much. Enjoy those squad emotes guys. Um, so anyways, there isn't much cybersecurity here, but basically if you're a cyber professional, this doesn't change your standard policy and approach to AI, educate your end users that anything they put in there is now considered public. Basically educate your end users that these things hallucinate. So you can't just, you know, if you're an executive, you can't just put things in here and then copy paste it out. We've seen multiple people, including a lawyer, uh, submit stuff to a judge around uh, trial defense that was completely fabricated and got called out. We've seen medical doctors put things into medical records that was not real. Uh, so don't be, don't be uh, a donkey, okay? <laughs> Finally, and I'm asking, um, I'm asking the community for help here, and if you. Um, it's not called Filipino. It's called Tagalog. Oh, thank you, Ion uh, Q or Tagalog. Okay, thanks, everybody. I had no idea. I've literally never heard the word Tagalog, um, but I appreciate you guys letting me know that. I I, I really do. Uh, I do like to try to stay uh, worldly and, and cultured. Final thing before we get on to the next story, and I will ask this during jaw jacking too, okay? I would like to make an... I made a video on the channel for... Bard versus ChatGPT a while ago. People liked it. I would like to make an updated one for ChatGPT4 versus Gemini. I want five use cases that people would find interesting. So if you have some ideas, please give, and I want it to be apples to apples. So like, you know, here's here's some code, like deobfuscated or uh, here's my resume, clean it up. Like whatever. I want it to be germane to cybersecurity people, but I would love five use case ideas. So if anyone wants to drop a use case idea, I would genuinely appreciate it. Microsoft names a new CISO. As part of a major shakeup at its security division, Microsoft named Igor Sivansky into the role, replacing Brett Arsenault. Arsenault had served in the role for 14. Wait a minute. Stop the, so, stop the story. Stop the story. Samantha S. breaking into cybersecurity with her first role, project coordinator, my favorite sound effect on the soundboard. Yes, yes, yes. Nice job. Way to go, Samantha S. Congratulations. So happy for you. Congratulations. Wicked good. Super pumped. Congratulations. Years and remain with the company in an advisory role. Deputy CISO Anshal Gupta is also out and will leave the company. Sigansky joined Microsoft in August, previously serving as CTO and president at Bridgewater Associates. 
This comes after Microsoft has experienced several high visibility breaches in the past year, including a Chinese-backed threat actor reaching Microsoft 365 to steal government emails. Damn. And now... So this is kind of crazy, man. All right, so if, if you don't know, so Microsoft basically just fired their CISO and deputy CISO, which is like, you know, CISO 2.0 or, or the backup or whatever you want to call it, second in command of the information security. And they handed the reins to the recent hire. Now, Microsoft has had some really ugly looks recently, um, especially with the golden ticket that China got uh, recently with API stuff. Uh, basically, they were able to uh, do all sorts of shenanigans up in Azure and O365. A uh, couple things to point out here, okay? Couple things. The existing CISO had been there for 14 years. To get fired, bro, that is that sucks. Are you kidding me? By the, okay, so two things. All right, two things about this story. One, when they hired the recent hire, okay, when the the guy who got the new CISO job, that was absolutely why this individual was hired. They were hired to come in as the new CISO. Now, whether or not the existing CISO, uh, Brett Arsenault, knew that he was hiring his replacement remains to be seen. Very unlikely. Most times you don't know that you're about to be replaced. Second of all, um, dude, 14 years is brutal. Um, Oh God, I had a really another, I had a really good other point I wanted to uh, say. Um, I I don't know if this individual was a uh, a sacrificial lamb. So you got to remember, like Microsoft just had this major bad pub, right? And sometimes CISOs are brought out in front of the town square, thrown into a stock and then beaten with like vegetables. And and everybody points to them and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we had the golden ticket. I'm sorry that Chinese threat actors got into your email. I'm sorry. This person's the reason why. Look at this person. This is the reason why. Okay, let's move on. Right? Um, the other thing I would point out here is... I mean, this guy's been in um, information. He's a CISO for 14 years at Microsoft. So spoiler alert, they're not going to have trouble getting a job. Okay. Like, like Brett Arsenault is going to be the CISO if he wants to be a CISO somewhere very prominent whenever he wants. The fact that this guy was um, a CISO for 14 years at Microsoft is stunning, frankly. CISOs have a shelf life of like 18 to 24 months. And I've gone through multiple, um, I've yeah, I've gone through multiple iterations or I've gone through multiple times explaining why it's 18 to 24 months, right? And if you want during jaw jacking, ask me and I'll gladly tell you. But most CISOs do not go 14 years. That's like, this is an incredible anomaly in the world of CISOs. This guy came in at 2009 bro like cloud wasn't even a thing um and to to um bsex uh point you know like is this a did he get a huge severance package did they say hey listen we've got to drag somebody out in front of the the masses 
Here you go. I always like to go to the money. Straight cash, homie. Right? Let's look where the money is because this is what's up. All right? Can you guys see this? Six months. I forget when the golden ticket thing happened. Um, If anyone... um, We did cover it, Jenny. Hey, let me know if anyone... um knows when the golden ticket thing happened. Let me just do this really quick. Microsoft golden ticket, China. All right. So this happened in July of 2022. Okay. Looking at the market cap, look at this. They didn't like, this was massive, massive issue for Microsoft and their stock kind of went sideways and now it's up. In July of 22, it was trading at 338. Now it's trading around 360. It went up 10%. This just further shows, guys, this is facts right here. You can spin it. You can do whatever you want. The money is the facts. Publicly traded company, the money is where you get indication of company health, company profits, what is actually happening. And a lot of people with a lot of money are connected to a lot of people who know what's going on on the inside. So when you see this, right? No big deal, all right? So I'm sure this guy, it's just, you don't typically see the CISO and deputy CISO get fired. Typically, the CISO gets fired and the deputy comes in. It's a succession plan, especially at larger Fortune 500 companies. You want stability, especially in the information security office. For this to happen, wow. Uh, that satirical guy says, I'm taking your final. Oh, yeah. Hey, what up? Uh, the satirical guy must be one of my cadets. What's <laughs> Guys, people ask me, how do I do uh, How do I do so much Simply Cyber? It's all about automation and about time management and about um, um, uh, just economies of scale. So, yes, my cadets right now, the final is open. I am I am administering. <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm a faculty member at the Citadel in their cyber sciences department, and I'm actually administering a final exam to my cadets right now. But uh, you know what? As long as everything's working, I'm streaming, I'm, I'm educating folks on the top cyber news of the day, and I'm uh, faculty administering a final. So let's roll. A word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Has your organization fallen victim to ransomware? Remain calm and head over to recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions is the go-to for ransomware recovery services that small and medium business executives can trust. Over the past five years, Barricade Cyber Solutions has saved 3,000 plus businesses in your shoes. Trust the elite DFIR team at Barricade Cyber Solutions with your data and system security recovery. Book a free consultation at recoverfromransomware.com. Do it now. All right, guys. Hey, first timers. I know there's many of you first timers in here, like my friends, my new friends, MB, Justin Omokai, Ralph Cameron, Rodwell Wiltshire, and other first timers. If it's your first time, your first episode, your first Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, drop a hashtag first timer in chat. And welcome to the party, pal. We do this every mid-roll, too. James McQuiggan from 35,000 feet, dropping 10 squad memberships. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Hey, giddy up on those squad memberships, Nathan Todd, Gary Sousey. Let's get the emotes. Let's get the Oprah going. All right, guys. Welcome to the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. 
I want to take a hot minute and thank all of you for being here. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, do me a favor. If you're getting educational value or, or entertainment value, or any kind of value, but usually it's education or entertainment value, do me a favor and hit the like button on YouTube. Only because if you want other people to be part of the community, if you think other people would benefit, be selfless and hit the like button so the YouTube algorithm will reach out to them and tell them what we're doing here and invite them to come over. I'm telling you guys, it's all like the reason I've shown up 510 weekdays in a row is because it's about consistency. It's about the grind and it's about just stay in the course. Help, let's help other people find Simply Cyber, okay? Yeah, hit that like button. All right, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Guys, this is an ongoing initiative that is super powerful, super valuable. If you would like to build your professional network in a meaningful way, and guys, I can't say this enough. Networking is an absolute force multiplier if you're interested in getting a job in the industry. Case in point, I network my face off. I got essentially laid off on, um, what was it, like uh, November 5th or something or whatever. Like, like I got laid off um, last year or two years ago, last year, two years ago, whatever. I had a new job in 15 minutes, okay? And that's not a flex. I'm just telling you, this is how powerful networking is. I literally got off the phone with my existing boss who told me I wasn't going to get paid anymore. I picked up the other phone and called somebody and told them that I was available. They offered me a job. We negotiated the salary and compensation package. I hung up and called my existing boss and told them that I indeed quit and would not be working for free. That's how powerful networking is. So start your networking journey. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge on LinkedIn. Connect with the people who are posting. That's like the, that's how you connect. Connect with them on how they're, you know, like make the network connection. Then network connect with the people in the comments. So there's 10 connections, right? Real people, they're here in the, in the chat. Then comment. The next person who comes in, will connect with you. So you'll actively make your own network connections and then passively people will be connecting with you and you'll build your network. Five minutes a day for two weeks, I guarantee you you'll see the results and then you'll just keep doing it. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. So Divine Dream Divine has the uh, baton. So if Divine Dream Divine can tag somebody um, and pass that baton, Divine Dream Divine, and by the way, I loved Divine Dream Divine's post. Uh, got to see who she is, got to hear what she's into, um, got her perspective and personality. I loved it. I want to say shout out to Dawn Long, new time, uh, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal, Dawn Long. Let's give you uh, that. All right. All right, guys. Hey, every single Thursday, Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish, does a custom meme of the week for our community. And today is more in the holiday phase. So let me introduce you to Jack Frost from Santa Claus 3. Jack Frost from Santa Claus 3. Thank you, Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish, 
for the custom meme. Thank you so much. A lot of fun. All right, guys. It's always all about good times, but we we do have work to do. So let's get back to the work. And I will see you at the jawjacking segment. Nissan investigating cyber attack. The Japanese car maker announced it began an investigation into a cyber attack in its Oceana division. This impacted Nissan corporate and financial services in Australia and New Zealand. The company did not confirm if the attack resulted in data loss, but warned customers to be vigilant across their accounts. The attack did not impact its dealership network and its websites in the region remain available. All right. So whatever. So Nissan uh, gets hit. I want to understand what they got hit on. Um... All right. Details of the attack have not been published, but the company informed customers of its potential data breach. All right. So uh, it doesn't sound like a um, I'm going to take some. OK, so I haven't used the tinfoil hat in a while. So let's get the tinfoil hat out um, and new squad members uh, on YouTube chat. You now have access in the emote tray to new emotes. So giddy up on that. All right, a couple of things. When I see this story, Nissan is manufacturing. Manufacturing is the most targeted ransomware by ransomware industry there is. But when I see this story, this does not scream ransomware, okay? This looks like, if I had to guess, okay, and this is why it's tinfoil hat, one of two things happened. Here, there was a misconfigured internet-facing database that got data leaked, or a website got hacked through some type of like cross-site scripting um, attack and some backend data was exposed. Those are my hot takes on that. Because it's only tied to Nissan.au uh, and Nissan.nz, the Oceana region, further leads me to believe that it was a website um, vulnerability and hack um, because they specifically call out the domain names. Uh, just as a quick aside, when you're listening to the news, reading the news, uh, typically the ransomware, uh, impacts, even if they say no, no information has been disclosed yet, the vendor or the, you know, the victim company is not made anything public about the attack. It's usually if there are system outages or customers are noticing, um, lack of access to resources and stuff like that, uh, that would be ransomware. That's not what's happening here. This is just a data breach. Now, another thing that I see right away is that they specifically call out that their dealer network was not impacted. You got to remember the way that um, automotive industries work is that they basically like have franchises and the franchise buys the cars directly from the, the um, manufacturer and then they turn around and sell them, right? That's why there's MSRP and all this other crap and why normal like people can't just spin up brand new Nissan dealerships, but you can sell them as used cars on used car lots. That's why you don't see janky brand new car lots. It's like there's there's a franchise thing going on. Okay. Now, whatever. Like this is, this is like whatever to me. Like the story, again, in 2023, data breaches, personal information. Like, okay, like get in line. My personal information has been out there so much that like, do you remember the old um, carbon, cop carbon copy? This is going back for the gray beards or the gray hairs. But back in the day, if you were going to make photocopies, you didn't have a photocopy machine. This is going to sound ridiculous and archaic, but like you didn't have the photocopy machine. What you would do is you would write it on like a purple, you'd write it and then like you'd, you'd actually like hand crank and it would like apply ink 
two blank pieces of paper. You'd basically manually photocopy, okay? But if you did it enough, the quality of the print would start depreciating, just like when an ink cartridge is running low. Like my PII, your PII, if you're over like probably 35, it's like it's been copied so much that like it's starting to get a little splotchy and uh, faded. <laughs> honestly, I, and I'm being silly and facetious, but you get my point. The final thing I'll say here and shout out, shout out to um, our New Zealand people and Australia people, which just throwing a little shade, we're not here for Worldwide Wednesday yesterday and we missed out on a complete worldwide takeover because of uh, Oceania, but I digress. Um, in Australia, they got their at, oh my God, sorry, Kennedy. In Australia, they got their butt handed to them with a major telecom breach, then a major healthcare provider breach. Like they got punched in the mouth repeatedly. It looked like a speed run on Mike Tyson's punch out last year. So much, in fact, that there was a knee jerk reaction by Australian federal legislators to put in a kind of silly, expensive fine if you got breached, right? So they were like, basically, if you're a, a business and you get breached, we assume that you have crap security controls. So you're going to have to pay this nasty fine. And at the time I put on my tinfoil hat and I said, listen, this is fine. This is great theater. Oh, look at this. The uh, US, um, the Australian citizens are like, Oi, good day, mate. Like, oi, 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 the federals are into it. They're into protecting us. They're going to really slap those corporate businesses down with financial penalties and protect our information. And I said at the time, this is fine, but let's see what happens when it actually happens. Because usually really big companies have deep pockets. They fund political campaigns. They've got friends in high places. It's called professional networking. It's just that that ridiculous like district two district one level to have a hunger games reference and typically if i'm funding your political campaign and my company gets breached and then you turn around and find me like 25 million dollars you know what i'm not gonna do support you anymore my friend and we saw it repeatedly where companies would get hit and then like no fine so here we go Get in line. Here's another one. Nissan has just resulted in having Australian and New Zealand citizens' information compromised. Is Australia going to find Nissan? Let's see what's up. Yes. Also, uh, in addition to uh, <laughs> in addition to um, running a final exam for my Citadel cadets and live streaming the Daily News, if you go over to Simply Cyber Cafe, I'm also live streaming lo-fi cyber music right now as well if you have to drop for uh, studying or, or something like that, or if you're in a sock and you're just chilling, um, it's called multitasking. Let's get some. NVIDIA working with the U.S. on chips for China. NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang said the company... Be hey, Syed traded shop in BD. I'll consider that a hashtag first-timer. And working closely with the U.S. government on specifications and capabilities for products designed to meet export restrictions. Earlier this year, NVIDIA introduced high-end GPUs designed specifically to get around U.S. export bans with chips like the H800. These bans initially focused on chip-to-chip -chip data transfer rates. After NVIDIA announced the chips, the U.S. Commerce Department announced it would further fine-tune export restrictions. In past earnings reports, China made up about 20% of NVIDIA's total revenue. Prepare All right.
So check it out, guys. Um, there have been massive sanctions um, by basically NATO. It's not NATO, but like NATO Western philosophy governments, Netherlands, Japan, um, United States, obviously leading the charge. The United States is like in the front of the chuck wagon with the reins, like slapping the horses while most of the NATO groups are in under the covered wagon. And none of them are dying from dysentery, if you feel me. Um, but NVIDIA is finally, dude, this is a huge, huge market to tap into. Obviously, they were doing it before. So NVIDIA is doing everything they can to comply with UX, United States export legislation in order to get product into China. Guys, there's a reason that movie stars bend the knee to China. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google John Cena China apology. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Top Gun China Taiwan. Like there's Hollywood's probably the most egregious of uh, bending the knee to get into the Chinese market, but it's a huge market. NVIDIA is doing everything they can to be legal and do it. Um, th again, this is not really going to impact cybersecurity day to day. We're not going to be doing anything different. Okay. So like this is one, this is one time like we've been, I'll talk about it at jaw jacking, but me and the mods have been flirting with like doing our own audio and uh news story selection, because sometimes these stories aren't really germane to our cybersecurity jobs. And, and this one isn't uh, frankly. So uh, the one thing I'll point out, and I guess to me, this jumps out. And while I was setting the stories up, I saw this. Do you see this, um, this, this headline Nvidia shares soar on expected revenue. Boom. Just from a misinformation, do your own research. Like, especially if you're younger and you haven't been exposed to this yet, I would just caution you always go beneath the head, like go further than the headline. A lot of people, at least in America, like they just want like 15 second clips. They want little digestible nuggets and then they form an opinion and run with it. This says NVIDIA shares soar on expected revenue. Okay. This story was published yesterday at 1.30 AM. Okay. Look at NVIDIA's shares. This is NVIDIA five days. Today, when the market opens, it's going to open at 455.03. And December 5th, it was at 453. Okay, market, like again, again, guys, shares soar. When you say soar, I have a certain expectation of what that means. Revenue, boom. Dude, at its peak, it went to 472, which is a 4% increase. I do not consider 4% soaring. And by the way, as soon as the market opened, everybody that was like an insider dumped all their money. Again, this isn't a financial show. I'm not Jim Cramer up here hitting buttons, but like, this right here is ridiculous. It did not soar. And anybody that read this and invested immediately took a bath on it because all the insiders immediately sold off. So I hate this crap. This is like screwing over retail investors. Let's keep going. Encryption for quantum computing. At Black Hat Europe, Microsoft, GitHub, and Banco Santander released new open source tools designed to find weak encryption in software. This came after the group found in a survey of open source repositories that almost half use RSA algorithms and a quarter use SHA-1. These new tools are based on GitHub's CodeQL static code analysis tool, creating a cryptographic bill of materials, 
making it easier for developers and security teams to spot weak points. The group plans next to study the impact of post-quantum computing on embedded hardware and low-power devices. All right. So, uh, you know, quantum computing is not my forte. Um, really, the big, um, the long pole in the tent, if you will, the thing that most people are focused on um, is really cracking encryption, okay? I launched a, uh, a security awareness company called Psychromics in partnership with Cybertronic Solutions in the US. All right, Abdul, way to go. And thanks for the squad membership. All right, guys, so check it out. Um, crypto is where it's at. People are hoarding up stuff. And it looks like there's some guidance coming out for practitioners in order to identify weak encryptions. If you're a cybersecurity practitioner, two things to share with you. One, you should get somewhat familiar with quantum computing, okay? I'm not saying you got to become a math major. I'm not saying you got to become a crypto expert, but quantum computing's coming. If you if you're like heading on the CISO path or whatever, if you're a one man, one woman band, you will be asked at some point in the next 12 months, like is quantum something we need to worry about? Is crypto something we need to worry about? If if <clears throat> if you're working with sensitive information, IP national security secrets, et cetera. Cracking those secrets is going to be a thing. You want to be able to speak at least a little bit about it. NIST, uh, I heart NIST, emote please squad members. Uh, NIST is um, definitely um, coming up with quantum resistant encryption algorithms. So definitely get into that. Um, again, I don't think anybody needs to become an expert on quantum computing, but this is AI sucks the oxygen out of the room, but quantum computing is coming and something that you need to be interested in. They're talking about building a cryptographic bill of materials for uh, algorithms so you could see like what, what went into it, what was involved in it, so you could quickly identify pieces that are vulnerable and maybe um, susceptible to quantum computing, um, basically attacks. Guys, here's what I want to tell you. We have been trying in the industry for years, and I'm not being playful, years to do a software bill of materials for years, okay? And it hasn't worked out, all right? We cannot get the nutrition facts on the side of the packaging on what is in um, the, the software for various reasons. It's something we've all wanted. It's been really hard. So if they're going to try to do a software bill of materials for quantum uh, encryption algorithms, good luck. With all due respect, I hate to sound cynical. I hate to sound like a D-bag, but good luck because we can't get it for software and open source software and crap like that. Quantum is like next level thinking. Like We're not going to be able to wrap our heads around it. Okay. Also really, really sh quick shout out. Um, I just want everybody to know two things. One, um, if you want to know more about, um, quantum computing last Thursday, last Thursday, Gary Binder, who is very not way more knowledgeable than me on quantum computing, quantum cryptography. He's spoken at conferences. He's really a nice guy, really smart. He came on Simply Cyber Live on November 30th, so like last week, two weeks ago, and talked all about quantum computing, quantum cryptography. I learned so much that I realized how little I actually knew. And I've actually started reading... Um, 
I've started reading this book just to get more um, more intelligent on it. Uh, Michio Kaku's um, Quantum Supremacy. I don't know if you guys um, know this or not, but basically, um, I like Michio Kaku. I've been reading this book to understand. I was way, way wrong. And if people want to talk about it uh, during Georgia, I can let me know. But I was way wrong about quantum computing. Navy contractor confirms data leak. Austell USA confirmed it suffered a cyber attack. The company holds contracts to build ships for the U.S. Department of Defense and Homeland Security. This comes after the Hunters International ransomware group named Austell on its leak site, claiming they will leak further compliance documents, financials, and engineering data. Austell USA said it quickly mitigated the attack and that the threat actors did not access any personal or classified data. All right, so two things. One, um, I hate to be this guy, but like, look at that boat, man. Oh, that Hansel's so hot right now. Oh, that boat is so hot. That thing looks like super cool. Let me do the uh, the Will Ferrell emote. That boat is so hot right now. Uh, hey, here's another Australian company with a data breach. Let's see if they get hit with a financial fine. Probably not. Um, they get hit. We'll see what's up because it says they got they confirmed a cyber attack, which is the big news story. See, the, the title's misleading, though, because they said no sensitive information, no confidential information, no classified information um, really is involved here. So I don't know. You know, it could have been anything. It looks like since they're being uh, extorted, it's definitely a ransomware. Um, it's definitely a ransomware attack. Who knows what data they got? They will be releasing the data, the threat actor, the ransomware group uh, soon to disclose that. I will tell you this, guys, okay, really quickly. Austell, the company, has come out and said no classified information was compromised. If it turns out that they're wrong and they have to disclose that, that is a huge, huge um, misstep by this company, all right? When we're dealing with national security and, um, you know, like basically the blueprints to this sick boat right here, if this is in fact the boat that they make. Um, saying one thing and then it later coming out as another is just a really gross misstep. The final thing I'll say about this, even if you were CMMC compliant, you could still have a cyber attack. It's called cyber resiliency, not cyber security. Hashtag, you know, coined the phrase in 2022. Um, I just want to point out CMMC needs to hurry along. CMMC is basically a federal standard for U.S. government contractors to conform to in order to ensure that they meet a minimum level of cybersecurity. There's going to be a ton of GRC jobs when CMMC goes into uh, effect um, now that they've got it sorted out. So hopefully that's the deal. Anyways, if you uh, are on this boat, you might uh, want to pucker your butt a little bit because threat actors may have uh, found you know, weaknesses or whatever. But this is just a four, this is a four money uh, cybersecurity threat actor group. All right. Hey, guess what, guys? It is exactly 9 a.m. Or, or it's 8.59, which means we nailed it. I love finishing the show right on time. Guys, if you were here just for the news, chef's kiss. You guys are beautiful. We had a great show today. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, hit the like button on your way out. It helps other people find the stream. This has been Thursday, December 7, 2023, episode number 510 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I noticed our headcount was under 400. I swear to God, 
that we have a subset of people who are college students in Chad and they, wait, actually that would be Friday morning. I don't know why we had low numbers today, but whatever. For the 393 of you that are here today, welcome to the party, pal. All our newcomers, I hope you come back. I hope you had a good time. And uh, guys, I just want to remind you, uh, where is it? Today at, um, hold on one second. Today at um, 4.30 p.m., we are going to be joined by Mike Prevett. Mike Prevett is a wicked awesome guy. I love myself some Mike. He's a London-based CISO. He's a really smart guy. He's from the United States, and we're going to be talking about key strategies for cyber startups and all about that straight cash homie that drives it. He's got a really interesting perspective on cybersecurity. So interesting that when I spoke to him, I said, Mike, will you come on and share all this great stuff with my community? And he said, hell yeah. Kind of sorry, Kennedy. All right, guys, if you got to go, be well. Otherwise, if you want to stick around and do some jaw jacking, let's freaking go. See you in a second for the jaw jacking. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, but if you're a first-timer and you're like, what the heck? At the end of the show, we like to kick it AMA style, as I promised you when I was working full-time uh, and kind of moonlighting with Simply Cyber. I said, if I go full-time, we'll be able to do more AMAs and jaw jacking, and that's what we're doing here. So if you got any questions, let's holler. If you want to chill, let's holler. While uh, questions and chat queue up, let me just share with you guys really quickly. An initiative that I've been doing kind of like sleepy on the side is Simply Cyber Cafe. You can see right here, if you are looking for some cool music that just helps you like chill, do cyber studying, you're studying for a cert or just doing some labs, if you're working and you just kind of want some background music to fill the space, if you have ADD and, and you just kind of want that distraction, I, I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but I like having uh, music without words going on in the background. Uh, right now, live on my other channel is this right here. So giddy up on it. If you're interested, Simply Cyber Cafe, get that music. Ah, Casually Joseph, I do love some tribe, buddy. All right. What was your top takeaway from Snake Oil Summit? Oh, JSO, JSO Burbeck. I didn't get to uh, really attend Snake Oil Summit. I jumped in chat for a little bit, but I was working on my Cyber 101 course yesterday. I So really quick, JSO Burbeck. For those who don't know, I really wanted to take December off. I wanted to do the daily cyber threat briefing. I wanted to do jaw jacking, and then I wanted to take the rest of the day off. I've been working my A off really hard since I went live or full-time in September. And, uh, you know, I'd made some promises to my family about the amount of time I would be taking off. And because the Cyber 101 course is not ready, I have been not taking time off, which I feel is not fair to my family. Um, so I've been working painfully hyper-focused on Cyber 101. 
uh, to get that done as quickly as possible. So unfortunately, I was unable to get to uh, the Snake Oil Summit for any of the talks. I saw Michelle Kahn was there. Michelle's going to be our guest next Thursday. I love the work he does around offensive security tooling for OSINT. So I bet you that was phenomenal. All right, Tim McDonald, how far are we from quantum computing having a real impact? Um, so Tim, again, based on the limited knowledge I have and starting to consume quantum supremacy by Michio Kaku, we are kind of far away. You know, like, so here's, here's one thing about quantum computing that I did not know that I was mistaken about. One of the challenges they're talking about right now is the cooling problem. You have to get it to like near zero Kelvin, okay? In my mind, I thought it was because quantum computers ran hot. Like, oh my God, it's so much power. It will overheat and melt. That is not the case. The reason it needs to be so cool is because quantum computers are nothing like semiconductor transistor digital computing. It's like a different paradigm. It's not just faster, better, stronger. It's a different paradigm altogether. The way quantum computers work, the um, the quantum or the quanta, the particles, like the the little the little bits inside the atoms, they need to be perfectly aligned. And if there's any kind of um, like disruption or noise or whatever, it will screw that up. So just like you know, when you cool steam down, it turns into water, which is a little bit more stable. And then when you cool it further, it turns into ice. If you get a wicked cold, it stops moving. The molecules stop moving. With quantum computing, they get it all the way down to zero as best they can in order to manage the disruptions of the atoms or the molecules or whatever. Again, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is that's why. Um, so we're not, when I was saying like, oh, Windows quantum computing, it, it doesn't even make sense because it's a whole different freaking paradigm. It's insane how different it is. Um, but I think we are, we are probably like, I, I would say we're like decades away from quantum computing being like a mainstream service that, you know, you go to Best Buy and get quantum computing is really going to be more in the research space and the national security space first. Uh, and it's crazy. Like one of the interesting things, um, just to give you an example of what I heard, it's like a computer, like a, a normal, you know, um, like Intel computer or whatever, if it's going to play chess, right? It can look at all the permutations of the next 18 moves, right? So like if I move my pawn here, they move here. And that's why chess engines are so good because they can look into the future and see all the permutations and then choose the one that has the lowest risk, right? And they do it essentially sequentially, right? Or maybe they fork it and stuff. Quantum computing can do all the permutations at the same time, like instantly. That That's why it's so powerful because it's not constrained by scale. It's It, it can do things in parallel. Uh, also, by the way, fun fact, Moore's law is about to be end because you can only make transistors so small. At a certain point, they'll be so small that they'll actually, the atoms, the atoms will actually be hitting each other. So we're getting close to uh, traditional... Um, digital computers reaching their maximum uh, potential around processors. Okay. Next question. Q, 
Q-Dep says, did you finish Fancy Bear Goes Fishing and got sidetracked and researching more swarm and haven't finished? No. So I'm still reading Fancy Bear Goes Fishing. The quantum computing talk with Gary Binder um, like was so startling. I was so stunned at how wrong I was in some of the basically untruths I had been telling people that I immediately stopped and started reading Quantum Supremacy. But I will tell you, Fancy Bear Goes Fishing is an excellent book. I'm loving it. I recommend it to everybody if you're looking for an excellent book. And one of the cool things about Fancy Bear Goes Fishing is it goes into pretty deep detail about Microsoft, the start of Microsoft, Microsoft's approach to security and why they sucked so bad in the 90s and why they're so good now. It really gets into the details of the culture, what Bill Gates was doing, um, the trust computing memo he sent out and why everything switched. It's, it's, that's probably one of the most interesting things about the book I've read so far. Matt Clayton says, I found your channel because I have seen you on the Try Hack Me Advent calendar. Hell yeah, Matt Clayton. By the way, guys, my um, Advent of Cyber Try Hack Me um, video is like blowing up. Uh, can I show you? Um, hold on. Can I show you this? I want to show you guys this. I'm like really proud of it. Um... Look, can I show you this? How does this work? This is behind the scenes here. This is my advent of cyber video. Like, I don't know if you could see this, but like, guys, 10,000 views. Like, just to put it in perspective of how my channel normally does, and I'm okay with this. This is about 10,000 more views than I normally get. This is kind of ridiculous. A thousand watch hours, a thousand more than usual. All right. And then 173 new friends. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So happy um, that, you know, for all the people who are coming over from uh, Advent of Cyber, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Mark Clayton, I hope you, I mean, Matt Clayton, I hope you come back. Bryce Jackson says, what's Project Spectrum? I went to look up CMMC because of the GRC rule. You said it would open up and saw this mentioned. Okay, so I don't know what Project Spectrum is, but if you give me a second, um, let's look at it. All right, so really quickly, I Googled Project Spectrum. The first thing that comes up is basically this. This looks like a for-profit business that's selling some solution. This is a business. Um, Bryce Jackson, I don't know if you work for Project Spectrum, or not, but this, this is a business. Like, I mean, there's nothing here. I mean, there's, there's multiple businesses. There's going to be a lot of money in CMMC. A lot of people are going to be trying to cash in on that, you know, and, and, and I'll be real. I mean, maybe, maybe even me, maybe I'll make a course on CMMC. Maybe I'll make some handouts on CMMC, um, but it's going to be big and it's, it's, it's pretty important. Chris Young says, in addition to the inquiry about doing your own stories with the mods, you were interested in discussing why CISOs only last 18 to 24 months. Yeah. Okay. So really quickly, um, the Microsoft CISO got fired or he left. Looks like he got fired. Normal CISOs only last 18 to 24 months. Let me do a quick fact check. Ready? What is the average um, lifespan of a CISO at a business? Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing this live right now on stream. Here we go. And you can see here, coal fire. Oh my God. What? 
Coal Fire, this is Coal Fire. They're in the know. They're reporting 24 to 48 months. Okay, so it looks like it's gotten a little bit further along than it was two years ago. But uh, it's still, you know, two years to four years. I, I would argue that's still long. Okay. Here's ZDNet reporting. Um, 26 months is the average high stress burnout. So there's a couple reasons. One, one, it's high stress. Here's the deal. When you're a CISO, you start just like any other job. Your first 90 days, you're figuring out where the bathroom is and where the water cooler is. And did HR get your direct deposit, right? You're meet, you know, meet and greets with everybody that reports to you, meet and greets with your peers, whatever your first 90 days, nobody has any expectations of you. All right. Three to six months as a CISO, you're trying to figure out what your predecessor did. You're trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. Sorry, Kennedy. Okay. You're trying to figure out where your biggest gaps are. Six, six to 12 months. You come up with your plan. Here's my strategy. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to be. Here's how we're going to get there. Here's the money I need. Here's the team I need. Here's the objectives. Here's what I can report to you. Okay. That's six to 12 months. Now you've hit a budget cycle and you either get money to do your initiatives or you find out quickly that the business really doesn't care about cybersecurity. At that point, at 12 months, you start thinking, oh my God, like, how am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? Can I get some money? You try to be um, righteous and try to get your initiatives pushed forward. 12 to 14 months, you figure out it's not going to happen or it is. You start looking for a job because you're a CISO. Really, it can move quick, but getting a job is three to six months. So three to six months, you're now at month 17 to month 23, and you've got a new job and you quit and leave somewhere else. Okay? That is a real one example of how it goes. Secondly, let's say you get the funding, right? At 12 months, you're ready to go. You start implementing your plan. Now, um, you know, you're implementing it, you're doing it, you're getting demands. It's a high stress, high burnout. Coming up with a plan is fun and easy. Executing it can be difficult. Maybe you're not getting buy-in from IT. Maybe the CFO and the research and dev people are pushing back. Maybe the cultural attitude likes security on paper, but they don't like security when it comes to disabling services that they've been depending on because they're ridiculous, like Telnet. Okay. Now you're like, oh my Jesus. Like, okay, so I'm going to put controls in place to further allow the business to do what they want to do, but also handle um, security. And now you've got this, like, um, you're not sleeping well. You're drinking a ton of Pepto-Bismol because you're basically running backwards through a cornfield with no pants on, hoping that you don't find a corn cob at any point. That level of stress, that level of not sleep, that level of whatever is, 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 is taxing. And you can go somewhere else and start the clock over first 90 days. No one has expectations. Three to six months, you're meeting people and and figuring out what's going on. Do you see how that works? It's, it's much more palatable to start over. And Oh, by the way, there are fewer CISOs out there than there are businesses that want CISOs. A lot of legislation, GDPR, United States federal regs, Business is getting punched in the mouth and then wanting to do something about it. Boards demanding it. CMMC, insurance companies, they all want you to take cybersecurity seriously. So there's a ton of push for, we need a CISO. We need somebody to point to and say, you're accountable for information security. But there's not enough people in market. 
So it's easy for me to make 200 grand and then jump and make 240 and then jump and make 270 and then jump and make 300. All the while, I'm resetting the clock on expectations, on stress, on everything. There you go. That's why CISOs don't last. It's it's a There's a lot going on to it, okay? And I'm sorry I wasn't showing you this. Um, this is that story, okay? Hopefully that answers everyone's question. Legrat says, we're talking about different project spectrums. Google Project Spectrum DOD or Project Spectrum DOD Office of Small Business. All right. Project Spectrum DOD Small Business. All right, here we go. Again, I don't know if Project Spectrum's paying through the nose for Google AdWords, but whatever. Um, here we go. I hate this Adobe uh, extension. Come on, computer. I, ugh. Dude, Adobe, you're good, but you also suck. What is going on here? I hate, Dude, I have no patience for when technology doesn't work. Can I, can someone, is this cash? Can I get a cash version? God, I hate you. All right, let's do this. Um, is this a spectrum? Oh my God. So even, okay, so even from the official defense.gov website, there is a link to Project Spectrum at the bottom that takes you to what looks like a for-profit business. Okay, I don't know how they got on here. Maybe they didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, there's training courses. Let's look at that. All right, I don't. I guess I don't know what Project Spectrum is. Okay, it's a comprehensive, cost-effective platform providing companies, institutions, and organizations with cybersecurity resources, tools, and training. Our mission is to improve cyber readiness, resiliency. Thank you for pointing out resiliency and compliance for SMBs. Okay. Readiness check. All right, you'll have to register. I don't know. I guess this is a I guess this is a service for them. If you're handling CUI or FCI, you must comply with CMMC level 1 or 2. I I don't know if this is accurate anymore. Um, log in or register. I so hey, I, I can't answer this question about pod, Project Spectrum. I would have to register and dig into it a little bit more. I'll leave it up. I'll register. I'll take a sniff, uh, and I'll let you guys know. Okay. Although I'm really focused on Cybersecurity 101, of course. Chris Young, um, follow up to the CISO turnover. Is it likely that boards want a CISO just because they want to scapegoat if they get federally audited and aren't prepared for it? No, I, I would. I don't think so. I think the days of having uh, compliance-based security and scapegoats is no longer there. Um, boards, like basically, board members are at the golf club and they're, you know, they're in the locker room and they're hearing other board members and executives talk about the pain of ransomware, the pain of cyber breaches and stuff. And uh, it's definitely front of mind. Uh, maybe the last two, three years, uh, it was asked for CISOs to come in and start briefing the board. So, I mean, certainly they enjoy a good scapegoat, but I think it's more about 
um, recognizing that really this is something that needs to be uh, a priority and mindful, obviously. Um, like I said, insurance companies are demanding that you have this or they won't write you policy. So a lot of people are doing that. Hey, Augusto Delgado, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. We do enjoy an Delgado. Hey, really quick, I want to share a fun story with you and then ask you guys a question. One, my Aunt Donna joined the stream the other day, unbeknownst to me. Sometimes my family members jump in and don't tell me until after the stream's over. It was the day I was losing my mind to um, default configurations for network devices in the Iranians hacking into water treatment plants. My Aunt Donna told me that I should not drink coffee Um or how much coffee did I drink? Because I was like insane. Uh, and secondly, um, she said, I love welcome to the party, pal. She was cracking up. So welcome to, the party, to my aunt Donna, welcome to the party, pal. Okay. Now really quickly, cause I have time to focus on it. Um, I asked guys earlier, if anyone had any thought, I would love to do a, update video on Google Gemini versus OpenAI's ChatGPT4 with different use cases, right? Uh, before I did like uh, malware that was obfuscated and see if either of them could deobfuscate it quickly. I think I did like uh, a threat briefing, like here's some intel, tell me what the threat briefing is. If anyone, <laughs> thanks Lagrat, my aunt is cool. Um, if anyone has any thoughts on interesting use cases that I could do apples to apples for a video, let me know. Good God. Hey, see you later, Gigi. Wow. Have an amazing day. Enjoy the uh, exposure management course. Oh, 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 I have a massive update. I have a massive update. I have a massive update. Let me stop the music for a second. Okay, so recently, I've been doing the Try Hack Me um, advent of cyber, right? This is a huge update, everybody. Okay. So the 272 of you are here. I'm I'm big on accountability and transparency. Listen, Advent of Cyber, there was some discussion in chat recently, two days ago, that Try Hack Me was scamming people, that Try Hack Me um wasn't giving out, you know, 